This is the Dice Tower Network, adding games to your wish list since 2005. The home of smart people, insightful board gaming commentary, and Luke Hector. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. You're listening to Broken Meeple Reviews. One game, ten minutes, what's my verdict? Let's find out. Hi gamers, today this is a big one. We're tackling one of the most hyped games that has come out during 2016. Even during 2015, this was one of the most hyped things in existence. Mostly because, well, it's Stonemaier Games, it's Jamie Stegmeier, and it has a theme setting that is just drop-dead gorgeous and ripe for exploitation. And that is, of course, Scythe. Scythe has just been everywhere in the last year everyone's been talking about it everybody's been backing the kickstarter except for me stupid me and everyone just went crazy for this before it even came out let alone when people started playing demos of it at essen or the uk games expo everyone was just going nuts for this now to be fair there's a good reason for that this is stonemire games i've yet to see them make a bad game every single one of their games is good Granted, there are some I like more than others, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Between Two Cities, and I adore Viticulture, but none of them are bad. I don't think they've made any duds. And one thing about Jamie is that he knows how to run a Kickstarter campaign, and do it right. None of all this, like, oh, here's all these exclusives that you can only get here and nowhere else. You know, no, this stuff comes out for retail as well, it's just you can back them in advance if you want. And he keeps people updated, he's clear about his pledges, he's clear about what his rewards are, and it just works. I love his Kickstarters when they come to be, and I really should place more faith in them. Now, Scythe is a bit of a jack-of-all-trades Euro game. It's set in an alternate world of 1920s Europa, and the idea is, is that everyone is farming and gathering resources to build up their factions, whilst with the assistance of these really cool, almost like steampunky, steam-powered style mechs that they use partially for agriculture, but also partially as a military operation, but mostly for deterrent rather than direct conflict, if that makes sense. In Scythe, you will take one of these factions and you will build up resources, build mechs and structures, upgrade your abilities and explore this gorgeous map with different terrain types like forests and lakes etc and seek to be the wealthiest faction by the end of the game. The idea is that everybody has a unique faction and on top of that a unique player board as well. So not only do your starting resources and abilities differ but also the way that you upgrade abilities and how much certain things cost for you is also different based on the boards you have. So you've already got a nice bit of variety with the five factions and five player boards in the box. Now the expansion which is going to come out I think later this year is going to introduce two more factions so again you're going have seven factions and seven player boards and it's just going to be off the charts at that point. 
Scythe is what I'd like to call a bit of a midweight euro. I wouldn't call this light. I wouldn't necessarily call this that heavy. It's definitely midweight to heavy. It's in that sort of category. And the great thing is, though, despite that, it's very clean. This is one of the easiest midweight euros I've had to learn. The rulebook is very clear. It's very concise. There's lots of pictorial representations, which are always nice to look at because, you know, the artwork in this is gorgeous. But it just flows really smoothly. Each player has their player board with four different columns which show a top row and a bottom row action. And the idea is, is that you choose one of those columns and do both actions, or one or the other, or none. I can't think of a reason why you would do none, but anyway. And the idea is, is that all these columns are different for each people, but you cannot choose the same column twice in a row. And the idea is, is that this allows you to not only have to plan your turns in advance, you know, like, oh, I could really use that, but I can't use it yet, so I'm going to have to do something else first. And But it also enables you to think about not necessarily specializing in just one thing. It means that you've got to balance yourself a little bit, but you can choose to focus on certain ways to win because that's another cool feature, the fact that you have got more ways to win in this game than usual with Euros. You have 10 different categories that you place these stars on. And the idea is, is that these stars are the goals for triggering the end of the game. Get your six on the board and the game ends. But you can do it from getting all your upgrades out, all your mechs, all your structures, winning a couple of combats, completing objective cards, you know, getting the highest power on the track, getting the most popularity. There's all sorts of ways you can do it. And it doesn't matter which six of the 10 you get. You could decide to completely ignore combat in this game. People are worried that, oh, this mechs, there's going to be loads of combat and it's all going to be about that. Wrong. I have won the game of this with not making a single combat. It is possible. You do not have to fight in this game. It is, as it's described in the setting, more of a kind of deterrent than it is a direct thing. Oh, yeah, you could happily be a complete warmonger and go off and fight and you know terrorize every other player. And that's true. And you could get a few stars that way. But it's certainly not the be-all or end-all way to win. And the interaction with players is partially solitary-ish. There's, there is some interaction. You do engage in combat every now and again. And one of your abilities on your board is that you can enlist these recruited people who are kind of like agents in a sense. And the idea is, is that whenever you or your neighbours take that specific action you get a little bonus. And it's a nice thing that means that you've got to pay attention to what your neighbours are doing because obviously if they do the action, it's your responsibility to make certain you get the bonus. But even then, you want to be paying attention to what everyone else is doing because you need to keep track of how close they are to getting stars on the board. If you ignore your opponents entirely, then you're just asking yourself to get caught unawares at the very end when somebody might, oh, he's only got three or four stars, he'll be fine, and then he manages to get both of them out in the same go and get up to six immediately. You've got to be prepared for this sort of thing and you have to plan ahead. Now, that's not to say that you should end up in any major AP status. That's one major problem with some Euro games. And I have played this with some slow people who struggle to grasp it and, you know, slow the game down like crazy, but... In general, once you've played a game or two, you should know what you're doing pretty pretty simply in this. You know, it's not there's a lot of choices and there's a lot of depth, but it's not overcomplicated. You have four different columns on your board, possibly a fifth if you happen to get to the central factory tile during the course of the game. But 
as I did in my last win, I avoided the factory entirely, so I just had four columns to work with. And you're not even allowed to pick one of them in the turn because you've already chosen it before. So you've only got three options for columns. You should be able to think by the time it gets back around to your turn of what it is you need to do next. And when you're doing the bottom row action, you can always get the next player to start taking their turn because it doesn't usually influence them as much. So the game flows really smoothly. It only grinds to a halt when you get to the really AP-prone people. But generally, it's fast-flowing and wraps up in a couple of hours despite having four or five players in the game. Now, I personally think this is a sweet spot with three players. You get a little bit of interaction with combat-wise. You know, you can avoid other players, but you can easily get in their faces. But three is just the sweet spot for time. Four is also very good. I think four works very well. Again, you know, it takes a little bit longer, but again, you could even with brand new people, you could wrap this up in a couple of hours once you've explained the rules. Five is okay. Five is... It depends. I wouldn't play five players with new players again because it just takes far too long. Scythe is a fantastic Euro game. I think it's smooth. I think it's very well designed. I think the components are stellar. This is Jamie Stegmar's, you know, patented. I've got wooden components for everything. And if you're lucky enough to get the collector's edition or buy them on the side, you can get these cool metal coins and you can get these you know, realistic resin tokens. If you've got that edition, it looks fantastic. But even if you just got the retail edition, it still looks nice with plastic miniature mechs and plastic and wooden workers and all your wooden bits on your board that slot into various spaces as you upgrade. Just so clean and well thought out. Now, balance is one of the things that some people will focus on online, and personally, I think the balance in this game is fine. There is a bit of a debate as to whether the red player's ability is a little bit too strong, especially as one of their mechs allows them to hop to the factory pretty much instantly and grab one of the really useful factory cards. Now, I would say red is definitely the easiest player to learn with, because their ability means that you can choose the same column twice, and that foregoes a lot of the planning part that you had to do with having to choose something different. But I don't think red's unbalanced, because I have beaten red many times. I have won as red as well. I think all the factions have a good chance of winning. You just have to play to their strengths and know how to play them. Really, aside from some very nitpicky flaws like I wish there were more encounters that you had during the course of a game, you only tend to find about two or three max, and I wish you could get to more, I really love this game. It fits what I like in thematic Euros. It's not going to be for everybody, so don't go to this, oh my god, the hype was so great, it must live up to it. Nothing lives up to the kind of hype this game got, let's be realistic guys, okay? But I still think it's fantastic. For me, this earns a coveted 10 out of 10 rating for me. I really adore this, and it's going to stay in my collection. Will it be for you? That depends, but I urge you to at least give it a try and see for yourself. So that's it from me, take care, keep playing games, and I'll see you on the next episode, grudgingly. We'll get to that later. Take care, bye-bye. You're listening to the Dice Tower Network. If you like this show, you might like the 20 Minutes of Filler podcast, or the Broken Meeple. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com.